Welcome to another episode of The Donut of Destiny, the podcast on all things cardiac CT for anyone interested in cardiovascular imaging. My name is Alastair Moss, and I am a cardiologist at the University of Leicester in the UK. And I am Praveen Ranganath with radiology at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston in the United States. And I am delighted to introduce our guest on this episode, Dr. Michelle Williams. Dr. Williams is an academic radiologist at the Royal Infirmary of Edinburgh and a senior lecturer at the University of Edinburgh. She completed her medical training in Edinburgh, where she undertook a PhD funded by the British Heart Foundation and has won numerous awards, including the SCCT Siemens Outstanding Academic Research Award. She has recently been appointed to the SCCT Board of Directors, having served as a programme chair for the SCCT Innovation Meeting on Artificial Intelligence and Machine Learning in Cardiovascular CT. Most people will be aware that she is one of the principal investigators on the Scott Hart trial, and she is the first author on the recent Scott Hart adverse plaque sub-analysis, which was published in circulation earlier this year and will be the feature of what we're discussing today. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thank you very much for having me here. It's lovely to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. We really appreciate the time. And I think for all of our listeners out there, this is going to be a great opportunity to hear your perspective on the Scott Hart study and go really in depth into how it was designed as well as the results. You're one of the upcoming stars in Cardiac CT, so it's just a real pleasure to be able to chat about this with you. Let's just jump right into it. Could you briefly speak to us about what Scott Hart is, where it was recruiting patients from, as well as the trial design in general? Thanks very much, Praveen. Um, Scott Hart is a really fantastic study to have been part of. It's actually been going for quite a while now, nearly 10 years ago. um, The initial steering committee meetings designed this study. Obviously, Professor Newby is the uh, lead of this research and has done vast amounts of work of this over the years. The Scott Hart study um, initial results published back in 2015, and it's a randomized control trial, a multi-center study looking at the use of CT coronary angiography in patients who come to the rapid access chest pain clinic. So that's an outpatient chest pain clinic for people presenting with symptoms that are suspicious of coronary artery disease. And we randomized 4,100 and something patients to either have CT or standard care. So it's not a study of functional versus anatomical testing like PROMISE. It's a study looking at what is the additive value of having a CT scan on top of whatever is the standard care. And the Five-year results published in 2018 in the New England Journal really are a game-changer for this area of medicine. They showed that patients who had cardiac CT on top of their standard care did better, significantly better than people who didn't have CT. And we've done a lot of different sub-studies and analysis of the data over the years, showing that the main drivers for that is actually change in medication use. When you have a CT scan, you get more clear on what the actual diagnosis is. You change the diagnosis, appropriately classifying people with and without coronary artery disease. You change the medications they take. You change the treatment paths they take towards revascularization if required or away from invasive coronary angiography and other imaging if it's not required. And all of these changes lead to a halving in the rate of fatal and non-fatal myocardial infarction. 
And since the initial studies were published, I've been involved in a number of subsequent reanalyses of the CT data, looking in more and more detail at the atherosclerotic plaque. And um, Michelle, the, that brings us nicely on to the circulation paper that you published earlier this year, which was looking at those adverse plaque characteristics, which we've been seeing on the CTs, but not everyone's always been reporting on them. You know, the focus has historically been on looking for the stenosis. Um, but you show beautifully in that paper that actually maybe we need to think a bit more about than just is there a narrowing there or not. Can you tell us a bit more about plaque composition and future risk? Yeah, so the focus of our reports has always been where's the narrowed blood vessels. But anyone who's looked at CT scans for a period of time really starts to notice that there are different types of narrowing, or even not narrowing, there are different areas of atherosclerotic plaque in the blood vessels. And an amazing radiologist who really taught me what I know today about cardiac CT, John Reed from the borders in Scotland, used to describe these as nasty plaques. He'd see one of these and he'd say, that's a nasty plaque, that's going to do badly. And finally, we now actually have the evidence, the scientific evidence that confirms this. So the first thing we did was actually visually look at the atherosclerotic plaques. And this was based on really amazing work done by Motoyama uh, et al. from New York and um, Paul um, Morohovitz, who identified these different visual features of plaques, the low attenuation plaque, the positive remodeling, the spotty calcification, and the napkin ring sign. And all of these visual things do predict people who will do worse. But the paper that I published in Jack a few years ago showed that although they predict who does worse, that's not independent of an overall marker of how much plaque there is. We use a calcium score in that paper to define plaque burden. Things have moved on a few more years, and now we have the ability to quantitatively assess atherosclerotic plaque on the CT scan. I do admit it's a little bit time-consuming, it does require a lot of the OCD uh, characteristics of my nature <laughs> and real determination to analyze that many scans. But we did analyze the entire Scott Hart data set looking at these quantitative plaque measures. And that really gets into much more detail than we've ever been able to before. And what we found was that low attenuation plaque is a really important marker of who does badly. And in particular, a low attenuation plaque burden of over 4% identified people who did much worse. So, Michelle, let's dive a little bit deeper into that low attenuation plaque. You mentioned that a 4% threshold is the marker at which you can start to determine whether patients are at higher risk for MACE. 4% of what, though? Is this of the total plaque volume? And could you go into that process a little bit more, too? So, what we do is we put a center line down the entire vessel, that's semi-automatic, and then we look at it. We pick each plaque and we mark a proximal position and a distal position, and then the software automatically works out where the vessel lumen is, where the wall is, where the plaque is. And then we can actually assess a variety of parameters from that, depending on the software. And all the different softwares are slightly different and come up with slightly different numbers. 
Plaque volume is the first thing you can get, and you can look at the total plaque volume, the non-calcified plaque, the calcified plaque, the low attenuation plaque, and you can also do some other metrics on them. And plaque burden is a particularly useful one because for each segment, it normalizes the volume of plaque to the vessel volume in that segment. So it kind of accounts for size of blood vessels, how many plaques there are, and these other metrics that sort of have skewed quantitative plaque assessment in the past. So yes, people who have disease are more likely to have more plaque, but even allowing for that, people who have adverse outcomes do have more of the non-calcified and the low attenuation plaque. And Michelle, you're saying that there are a number of different vendors who are now doing all these forms of plaque analysis. When we often see a lot of our CT scans downloaded into these software packages, sometimes they often have quite marked contouring of the intima or even of the adventitia. Is there a lot of manual correction that you had to do with this data set in order to get these vessels accurately contoured? Yes, there certainly is manual correction required at the moment for pretty much all of the softwares. The defining parameters on that is really image quality. So the bottom line is for cardiac CT, you need good heart rate, you need to get the contrast timing right, and you need to get the radiation dose tailored to the patient's body habitus because image quality is important for all things that you might want to assess and in the not-too-distant future for a quantitative plaque as well. And do you think that this will hopefully soon all be automated, or do you think we've got some work uh, still to do before we can demonstrate that clearly? There's a, a lot of work going into how we can automate this more um, at the moment. At the moment, most of the softwares can identify a centerline not too badly, and many of the softwares can also identify lumen and wall but actual plaque analysis is going to take more work to be even uh, slightly automated, let alone fully automated. All of these softwares can automatically assess things in your perfect image quality scan. But when you have motion artifact, stair step artifact, breathing artifact, any artifact, um, they do fall apart a bit. So further work is going to be required to improve the automation. But within five to 10 years, uh, I suspect the computers will be doing it all for us. And it sounds like characterization of these different plaque characteristics is pretty important going forward. Uh, based on that most recent publication you had, that low attenuation plaque burden compared to total plaque burden did have an incremental value over just calcium scoring alone. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So the low attenuation plaque burden was additive to everything else. It's one of those things that um, it's telling us something different about the blood vessels. So cardiovascular risk scores tell us so much. Coronary artery calcification tells us a bit more. Obstructive coronary artery disease tells us a bit, but the low attenuation plaque, which is, we think that it's as the same as the necrotic core, the thin cap fiber atheroma, and it's identifying those nasty looking plaques. So, yeah, in our paper, we showed that um, in the multivariable analysis, low attenuation plaque was an independent predictor, uh, along with calcium score in some of the patients. And Michelle, a lot of our audience uh, who are clinically focused will be decrying that, you know, now that we're starting to see these occur 
more and more on our clinical reports. Where do you go with this practically? Do you have any recommendations as to how you manage these patients when you see those patients with these high-risk plaque features? Yeah, I think these would be the patients that I would um, worry about a little more and try and persuade to take their medications a little more and try and persuade to stop smoking a little more. The slight problem we have with a lot of these metrics at the moment is they do identify a lot of people. There are a lot of people with visually assessed adverse plaques. There's a slightly lower number of people with quantitatively assessed adverse plaques because it's a little bit more specific, but they still do identify quite a large group of people and not all of them will go on to have a heart attack. So it's not a case of you see low attenuation plaque that person will have a heart attack because many of these heal, they change over time, some may rupture subclinically, some rupture clinically and you have a heart attack, but in many cases, that's not the case. And the plaque does undergo quite dynamic remodeling over a a reasonably short period of time, we think. So if I saw that in a report uh, that this patient had a nasty plaque, with lots of these high-risk plaque features, I would be trying to make sure as good as possible this patient was on the best optimal medical therapy and knew exactly what they needed to do and had the support to do those things. But apart from that, at this moment in time, we're not really going to change things based on the findings of these plaque, and it's not in any of the current guidelines to do anything specifically based on finding these plaques. With regards to determining how guidelines should change or how management should change altogether, is the plaque characterization metrics or, say, low attenuation plaque specifically going to be tested prospectively in any future studies in terms of either its event rates or its impact on management? Yes. So in order to use this in clinical practice, we do need to do a few different things. So Firstly, we need to really make sure that the reliability and repeatability and observer variability is as good as possible. There's always going to be slight differences. There are slight differences in how people report CT scans from a stenosis point of view, let alone a plaque point of view. But we do need to tighten those up, ensure that there are some standards and ensure that all of the different softwares are doing similar or as good things as each other, and that we know exactly which plaque parameters are the ones that we're going to report and which are the most important to report. So there's a bit of work to be done there from a software development point of view. Ideally, I'd also like to see it a little bit more automated before I see it in clinical practice, because my time reporting CT scans is limited. I want something that makes it faster and better, not slower and more cumbersome. So there's work that needs done there as well. And then as with anything, we do need to do prospective studies that show that this improves management. Showing that it's associated with features of outcomes is important. It's a first starting point, but we do need to take this to the next level before we'll see it in clinical practice. Thanks, Michelle. Edinburgh is obviously a crucible for cardiovascular research in, uh, that's focused in imaging at the moment. Can you tell us about any of the new work that's um, going to be starting to build up in Edinburgh over the next couple of years, just so that we can keep our horizon scanned for you know what to look out for in the future? 
So the most exciting thing from my point of view is that uh, the Scott Hart 2 study has now started. So Scott Hart assessed people with symptoms, chest pain, atypical chest pain, non-anginal chest pain. But Scott Hart 2 is taking it to a whole new population of people, asymptomatic people. They do have to have some risk factors and be within certain age ranges, but this is going to be assessing coronary CT in a much broader population. So that's really exciting. It'll take a little bit of time to do the scans and get the follow-up data, but within the next few years, I think we'll start to see some really exciting data in that area. And obviously, also, there's the rapid CT study, which has finished scanning patients. And I'm really excited to know about what the results of that study will show. They have um, assessed a different population of patients. Again, this time, patients who attend the accident and emergency department. And that will be looking at the potentially much higher risk or acute patients. And I'm very excited and hopefully we'll have some results uh, imminently. But uh, keep uh, an eye out for that one. Michelle, that's been absolutely fantastic. There's obviously so much to look forward to on the near horizon. Um, it's obviously just a reflection of the fact that cardiac CT is such a dynamic field for research at the moment. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thanks to our listeners for joining in. Thank you so, so much, Michelle. We really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a delight to be here with you today. From all of us here at the Donut of Destiny, thanks again. And to our listeners out there, please feel free to continue the conversation on Twitter at heart underscore SCCT, hashtag YesCCT. Cheers. Cheers.